C is for cookie, and that's good enough, well, for a lot of us. Hi, I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. On this week's episode, we're checking in with Zachary Schmall, a self-described born cookie monster. Zachary is the owner of Schmackeries in Manhattan's Hell's Kitchen neighborhood. You'll often see a line of folks outside the shop waiting for their chance to bite into one of Zachary's lip schmackin' good cookies. Zachary joins us to talk about his business, as well as how he managed through the pandemic. Zachary, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start off talking about the name. Where does Schmackery come from? Um, well, Schmackery has been my nickname since high school. My name is Zachary Schmall. And uh, in high school, everybody used to call me Zachary Schmackery. And when I was first coming up with my company name, I was throwing a, a, around a bunch of different names. And all of a sudden, Schmackeries popped into my head. And I said, lip schmack and good cookies. And it just kind of was like, oh, my God, it was a match made in heaven. And that's what it says on your marquee, right? Lip schmack and good cookies. Lip schmack and good cookies. Now, you're originally from Nebraska. What brought you to New York City? Um, well, I, yeah, I'm from, I'm from Nebraska. I lived in LA for a couple of years uh, before I moved to New York. And uh, I moved here with the acting bug and, uh, and came here with the intent to make it big on Broadway and did some regional gigs and things like that. And I kind of just realized that I love the business. I love... Um, the entertainment industry, but I don't know that necessarily know that I love it as a business. And, and that was, that was something that I, I realized that if I wanted to stay in love with this thing, that I kind of needed to get out of it before my soul felt like it had been sucked out. <laughs> that said, what road led you to cookies? It was one of those things that I think had been lying under my nose for so many years, and I never even thought of it as as a way to make money. Um, I've been baking since I was a kid. My mom taught me how to bake, and it was one of those things that I always did as kind of a stress reliever, and um, I'm a huge foodie, and so coming up with fun, funky flavors was just kind of one of the things that I like to do. I'm not a chocolate chip cookie guy. I like coming up with fun and innovative um, flavors, so that was just that was kind of how it happened. And, and I would have these parties over at my house where it would be like a baking party where I, they basically challenged me with a flavor. And while people were over and hanging out, I'd make up cookie flavors. And it was just like one friend after another was like, you have to start selling these cookies. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I never even thought of it as a way to make money. And enough people started saying it. And I had been, after I left the, the entertainment industry, I decided that I was like, I need to do something creative. So I got into marketing and branding and things like that and um, and so I had been working on accounts to you know tell the story of someone's brand and to it to make it um, make it something that your emotions could relate to and I was like huh well if I could do this for other people's brands I could probably do it for myself and so I kind of started schmackeries as like a branding project and I just told my friends and their friends told their friends and their friends told their friends and before I knew it I was shipping cookies across the country out of my 400 square foot apartment and <laughs> and it just like the it just the momentum just started building so fast and it was one of those things of the, the universe telling me like yep this is what you were meant to do and I'm I'm going okay I guess I'll answer that call and and use this as my next career path so and it has luckily paid off. I was going to ask the question about the size of your apartment because we all know that size is an issue sometimes in New York City when it comes to apartments. Wow, 400 square feet and you're making all of these cookies right out of there? Uh-huh, out of a tiny little apartment-sized oven. I didn't even have like a full-sized oven. It was, I was baking cookies 
12 cookies at a time. And, and there were some days that I would get an order for 50 dozen cookies to deliver to the, um, the Viacom building over here. And I'm like, oh my God, I think I'm gonna be pulling an all-nighter. And I would just bake around the clock until it was done. <laughs> it just is so funny thinking about it now that, that like where I started. I mean, there was a point where there was cookies on every single surface in my apartment. <laughs> and what kinds of flavors were you making back then when you first started? Um, I have a few flavors that, uh, I mean, all the flavors that I started with are still on our menu. Um, maybe some of them not as regularly as, as they are now, but I had um, the big ones that, that were like when I first started out of my apartment, oatmeal, scotchy, oatmeal and butterscotch. I had a, a white chocolate cherry chunker that was very popular, caramel apple crisp, um, a maple bacon cookie, which is still like one of our best sellers. And um yeah, I think I did a red velvet cookie and, and those, and it was just like, these were just the flavors that I was coming up with. So how many flavors do you have on your menu now? I'm up to like 84. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. And in fact, I'm always trying to think of like, okay, let's come up with some new flavors. And I'm like, well, I still have to keep room on my menu for all these other flavors. Um, so it's, it's definitely difficult to, because I'm just such a creative person that I could just keep going and going and going. And I'm like, okay, Zach, you got to pace yourself. Otherwise you're going <laughs> to, you're going to run out of steam eventually. What is that process like for you to come up with new flavors? Um, I mean, really, I get inspired by other desserts mostly. I mean, uh, ice cream is a big one for me where I'll, you know, I love Ben and Jerry's and those kinds of fun flavor combination people that just take a bunch of stuff and shove it into, um, into an ice cream. And then I'll think like, huh, how could I translate this and make it into a cookie? And then I'll, I'll think of the ingredients and I'll think of the flavor profile and I'll just really start to, um, you know, from now, because I have so many different bases, it's, it's an, a little bit easier of a process now because I'm like, oh yeah, that base would be similar to like the Rocky Road base, you know, and, I'm, and, I could, and I can kind of tweak the ingredients that way because baking is really chemistry at the end of the day. So if you kind of know the basic components of the chemistry, then it's just about adding ingredients and seeing how far we can push it until the, the chemistry component starts breaking down, you know, and I really try to push it pretty far with a lot of mine, but you know, your wet and dry ingredients and things that melt when they are baked and things like that all take uh, are all taken into consideration. But you know, I'd say most cookies uh, coming up with an, a brand new recipe, I usually try it about three or four times before I before I am like, oh, that's it, that's the one. And uh, and there are some flavors that I've tried fifteen times before I <laughs> before I put it on the menu. It all depends. It's like I'm just a a real stickler for perfection. So I'm not going to put something on the menu that I'm not proud of. Who are your taste testers? My staff, uh, my friends still, you know, and, and even our customers, I'll have some regulars that come in and I'm like, Ooh, hold on. I got something for you and I'll bring them out. But you know, I love, uh, I love giving them to somebody and just watching their face when they eat that, when they eat it. Cause I'm like, I know you're going to try to be nice to me. So, you know, <laughs> but, but I think most people are actually pretty honest about their, their feedback and they know that I, like want pretty honest feedback um so yeah my staff my friends our regular customers sometimes if i'm in the kitchen and i'm baking off something and i'm not sure about it i'll just go out to the front of the house and i'm like here try this here it's for free just try it tell me what you think of it what flavor do you think that is you know and that's kind of how i do it do you get suggestions from family and friends or even customers themselves about new flavors hey you know yeah you do all the time and you know sometimes they're amazing and sometimes 
I don't know where these flavor ideas come from, but there are some very interesting ones that come across my desk, but there have been some really good ones that, uh, that have, that have come across from fan suggestions. So are any of them on the menu now? Uh, yes, actually we have a strawberry rhubarb cookie that is out. Um, that's a stra that's a customer, uh, request. And then we also have this month, a, uh, dulce de leche cookie, which was a really hard one to come up with. Um, because I like, I, I wanted like caramel chunks inside of it. And that was, that's it's kind of a hard thing to put into dough and make it so that it, you know, keep it in the dough so that it actually has like pockets of like caramel fudge in it. What are among your most popular cookies? I mean, a classic chocolate chip, of course. Um, and then Funfetti is, is like such a big seller. It's like a sugar cookie with sprinkles inside of it with a, a vanilla cream cheese frosting on top and a bunch of sprinkles on top. Cookies and Cream is a big seller for ours, which is kind of like an Oreo on crack. And um, then, you know, I mean, we have so many flavors that we switch out. Those are actually the only three that are on our menu every single day, all year round. Um, but there's, I mean, there's so many flavors to choose from. And every single day we have 12 flavors on our menu. And every month we have 24 flavors that continually rotate um, every single day. So there's a lot to choose from, but those are definitely our top three. Is there a new recipe in the mix that you can give us a sneak peek on? Ooh, well, we're working on a bunch of stuff right now. There's, um, so we have, so we like to do collaborations with, um, with people and like a lot of, we do a lot of Broadway collaborations. And so, um, right now we're working with a, with, there's a new TV show that's coming out on Apple TV in a couple months. That's called Schmigadoon. And we're working on, on, uh, on a, flavor for them that's going to be kind of a, a fun thing how can you not schmackeries and schmigadoon <laughs> yeah exactly that's i think that's why they approached us they're like uh this is a name like this is a name match made in heaven and the show has uh, it stars Kristen chenoweth and she's like a huge schmackeries fan so i don't know if she had any play in in the in the pitching of this but it's like you know I was, and when they said that she was involved, I was like, oh my God, I love that girl so much. So I'm like, so happy to be involved, but I can't tell you about the show. I can't tell you about the cookie, but that's the one that's in the mix. It's coming soon. Now you sell cookies in two different sizes. You have old fashioned cookies and small cookies. What's the difference in the size? Um, the old fashioned cookies are about four and a half inches in diameter. Um, and they, and then our small, our small cookies are a little bit bigger than an Oreo. So it's like, it's probably about a two or three bite cookie. I guess if you're looking to save some calories, go for the small, right? If you want sure, to celebrate, sure. go all out. I mean, I definitely feel like people, that's what people's thoughts are, but then you put the schmalls out on the table and people end up having like four or five. And you know, I'm not mad about it. <laughs> but then we also do, um, we also have a, a deep dish cookie that we do in store that it's basically we'll take um, one of our cookies and we bake them in like a muffin tin. And so then the the bottom or like the outside gets like a crispy shell and then the inside is like ooey gooey. And then we we like put a thumbprint in the in the middle of it and we fill it full of a filling. Wow, that like, sounds amazing. Oh, so, so it's decadent. One of our best sellers, we do a, a schmackerdoodle cookie and then we fill it with Nutella. And it's like, I mean, when we put those on the, on the counter, it's like, we can't, I mean, we can't make them fast enough. 
You also offer butterscotch schmackaroons, which you labeled not your Yentas macaroons, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I love coconut macaroons. They're like always been something uh, that's been so fun to make. And, but I always notice that like, unless somebody's dipping them in chocolate, they never put anything inside of them. And so I, of course, because that's just how my mind works, I'm like, let's stuff them full of whatever we can. And so butterscotch is just one flavor. We have about 10 different flavors of, of schmackaroons that just kind of change depending on the day, the time, the season, um, that we'll just stuff them full of different stuff. And so that's why I say they're not your Yentas macaroons because they're definitely filled up and, and, and full of flavor, so. What's the best way to store a cookie if you plan on saving it for later or want to have half now and half later? I'd say our cookies have a good like five to seven day shelf life. We don't put preservatives in them. So, you know, um, that's, that's as, I, I know people who eat them longer than that, but that's as much as I would push it. If you're going to wait longer than that, I would say wrap it, up, um, wrap it up in plastic wrap and throw it in the freezer. And then you can keep it in the freezer for up to a few months. And then you just pull it out, let it thaw to room temperature, and your cookie still good as, as new. Now, your parents went into this venture with you, didn't they? Yeah, well, not initially. Initially, my parents thought I was crazy when I was uh, when I said, I'm gonna bake cookies for a living. They're like, oh God, first an actor and now this. <laughs> but uh, but yes, after I opened up my shop on um, on 45th Street, my, my mom came out to actually help me open up the store. And it was like on day one, we had a line out the door and my mom's like, oh my God, like you're actually doing this. And, um, and then after a year of, of starting the business, my parents said like, you know what, we're going to use you as a retirement plan and we're going to come and move out to New York and help you grow your business. And I was so thrilled. I'm an only child, but not like the kind of only child that's like a spoiled brat. It's like, <laughs> I mean, maybe I was. But uh, my, my family and I, we were always like such a unit. It was like the three of us just did everything together and it never really felt like two parents and their, and their kid. It was just like, we were like a pack. And so the fact that my parents wanted to join my business and wanted to help me, it was like a dream come true. And I couldn't have thought to have like better business partners. And then they moved here and uh, about a year after my parents moved here, my dad was diagnosed with um, stage three pancreatic cancer and he, um, he made it about 18 months and then he passed away, um, which was so hard, but I think it was uh, a blessing in disguise that there was something that brought my parents to New York and I don't know what I would have done if I would not have been able to be living in the same city as them. And I feel like having gone through the process of, you know, I think the good thing about um, something like cancer is that you are given so much time um, in some cases, you know, and I think having so much time to talk and have conversations and talk about life, it was like, I really felt like I learned so much about my dad in those, um, those last 18 months. And I would never take that back for anything. And like, we, you know, it was, um, it was wonderful. It was actually like a really beautiful how our relationship um, blossomed from that. And then um, my mom stayed uh, stayed here for another two years after he passed away. And then she just said that New York wasn't her dam. She didn't really feel like she wanted to live in New York anymore. She was like, you know what? I've always wanted to live by the water. I think I'm going to move to Florida. And I was like, you go and do that. I would love to come visit you. So um, my mom lives in Florida now and she comes up and helps all during the busy times of the year, she'll always come up around the holidays and help out. 
Um, you know, and anytime holiday weekends or something are coming out, she'll help out for a few weeks here and there. And she is a monster. My mom can like outwork these 25 year old kids that are coming around. She's like, uh-huh. Yeah. I'm 60 years old and I can, I can work work circles around you. You need to be working a little faster. And I'm like, go mom, <laughs> you tell them. <laughs> what was your dad's favorite cookie? Uh, the maple bacon. He, he like loved the maple bacon cookie. How about you? What's your favorite? Oof, I mean, that's a hard one. It's like, it, I feel like it changes here and there because I, you know, um, it's like asking me to pick my children. But uh, um, my favorite, I would say, is probably the sweet corn cookie. It's, it's a gluten-free cookie, and I'm not even a gluten-free person. But it is one of those cookies that just kind of, like, ticks all the boxes for me, where it like, has a really nice balance of, like, sweet and salty to it. And I think just the, the texture is really nice, and it has, um, it has cranberries and pecans and actually, like, kernels of corn in it. And it's like a, a sweet cornbread, but turned into a cookie, and it's... It's one of those that a lot of people are like, a corn cookie? And I say, just try it, just try it. And I have made a believer out of so many people from this cookie because it's like, it's it's so weird, but just perfect. Now, is it true that you don't spend money on advertising? True. We're just now, um, because we're trying to grow our online business, we're finally talking about, uh, you know, putting some advertising money towards, uh, towards online, our online shipping business. And during the pandemic, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out way, I mean, our online shipping business became the backbone of our business during the pandemic. So yeah, up till, up till now, we've never spent any money on advertising. So we've, we've just been really lucky in a lot of ways. And I think, um, you know, we've had a really loyal fan base from the beginning and, you know, social media, has been amazing for us. It's been one of those ways that we have reached so many people and so many people have heard of us through social media. And I think that, you know, for businesses, it's like, it's an amazing vehicle to, um, to get, you know, in the minds of so many different people who would have never heard of you. Let's talk about what the past year has been like for you. I mean, here you are right there in the Times Square area, this hustle and bustle that typically we see not there anymore. Broadway, dark. I mean, what was that like? Um, it was definitely scary. Um, I, I mean, they said that Hell's Kitchen lost more residents in general than any other neighborhood in New York City during the pandemic. And walking down the street, it was like walking through a ghost town. And it was definitely um, scary as a business owner. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> we actually had another store downtown and uh, that we opened up this last, like we opened up at the beginning or the middle of 2019. And we lost that store during the pandemic because, you know, we didn't have, we were just starting to hit our traction and getting, getting going. And then, you know, the, we got the uh, wind knocked out of our sails from the pandemic. So um, I think it really forced me to say, okay, I got to double down on, on the store that I have and really figure out what I can do. And it was almost instantly that our online orders just started skyrocketing, you know, overnight. It was never a vehicle that we've really pushed because we've always really taken pride in the in-store experience. And I and I really believe in the, the brick and mortar experience for something like us because we get to tell a story when you come in. And it's harder to do that uh, with a box of cookies that you get in the mail. But I think we really have figured out how to make it work. And we took our, our business that was just normally a thriving walk-in business and 
we actually shut down all in-store business until I think May um, we opened back up and you know between March April and the middle of May I mean we were I could not believe how much how many uh, orders we were getting every single day and I had nobody that wanted to come back to work <laughs> because everybody was scared and so it was literally me my partner and one of my best friends who came and we did everything. Actually, no, and I had one more person who was downstairs working in the shipping department and we did everything. And we were baking off thousands of cookies every single day and I was just like so impressed with the fact that like I had, you know, my chosen family helping me, you know, to do this and it just meant so much. They were like, we gotta make your business succeed. We're gonna make this happen. And it was just like so special um, that I had, that I got to share that, you know, um, with my friends and family. So what did you hear from people about the comfort of a cookie during a year like this? I mean, I think the biggest thing was with healthcare workers. We, um, you know, we were delivering a lot to hospitals and, and, and it just, it meant so much that we were giving cookies to, to people who, and we even set up a, a program through our website that people could donate cookies to healthcare workers. And so we were just delivering cookies in kind to these healthcare workers just in masks. And I think that was the, the biggest impact that I got to see so much. And like I said, it's, it's a little bit harder with online because you don't get as much feedback from customers as you get, you know, just in store and them just telling you how much they love what you're doing, but delivering these cookies to healthcare workers and then just getting emails and phone calls, just thanking us for, for doing something so special during the pandemic was like, amazing it just made us feel like we were actually um we were in this with them you know like it's like we just understood i mean i understood so much of what healthcare workers of course were going through and it was just it meant so much to me to like help out in any way that i could um and just kind of felt like we were an essential business during that time and i think you know i think with cookies and desserts and things like that that's always a reward and i feel like in this last year like we all needed a little reward once in a while you know it was it was it became so important for us to have those like moments of happiness and i feel like that's something that we're always able to provide you have long donated cookies to the broadway community right you know when i first like i said i, I was an actor before i ever thought about making cookies my business and um the you know my actor friends were the first people who supported me when i when i started and it was like it was the traction of the broadway community and the broadway Stars would, um, you know, post on, then it was Twitter when, when I first started, that was that everybody was using. And I mean, posting about like, Schmackery's cookies, they're amazing. And it was, you know, and then I got hooked up with the Actors Fund and I was doing their special performances where they just do these shows for free. And um, that the, the actors aren't making any money, the producers aren't making any money and every dollar that comes in the sales from the, the show goes towards the Actors Fund. And, um, and so I said, you know, I want to, I want to help out and, and I'll donate cookies to these actors fund performances. And then it's like, then it became like that Schmackeries became like the cookie of Broadway because we were getting delivered in all these Broadway houses and it, and you know, I just felt so much support from the Broadway community. So when we, you know, went into business in year one and we were just making, you know, money hand over fist. I was like, I want to give back because like I never had the funds in my past to ever give back to charity. And so now that I'm making money, it's like, I want to 
do the right thing and like give back, you know? And so I thought, I, let me look at what the charities are. And I found Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS. And I, and I thought that they were an amazing charity that did so much good work. And so Broadway Cares and, um, and the Actors Fund are still the two charities that we primarily work with. Um, and we love the partnership that we have with them. In fact, one of the, the events that we started that like kind of started as a way of like, how are we going to raise money for Broadway Cares? And I came up with this, this idea that we ended up calling Broadway Bakes. And, um, and I thought, what if we ask actors who are on, in Broadway shows if they want to come and like work behind the counter for an hour or two and like sell cookies? And we can attach it to charity and we can say that like all the tips that they generate during that hour and like half the proceeds will go to Broadway Cares. And the first year we did it, every single person that we asked said yes. And we were like, oh my God, this is amazing. And we had, you know, um, Tony Award winners working behind our counter and it was just incredible. And, you know, we, we just started, it became like a yearly thing that we started doing. And I mean, we were raising like $15,000 every single year from just like a couple hours each day for five days. And I mean, these, these amazing, like people would come in and just be dropping $100 bills like to help out and because they were just, love to meet these celebrities that they'd like looked up to for so long. And for me being a, a theater kid, you know, growing up, I was like starstruck seeing all these people working behind my shop, asking me if they were doing things correctly. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm just so excited to have you here. And, um, so that was like a really special way to like make raising money for charity really fun. And, and it was, you know, it's one of those things that like a lot of the stars are like, Anytime you ever meet me, I'm always here. Like I'll come and do this every single year for you. And it's just, it's such a fun way and like a fun way for them to get interacted. And I like can't wait for Broadway to come back so that we can start that back up again. Cause it is just such a fun way um, and re really a fun thing for our customers as well. How much of your foot traffic is Broadway related traffic when Broadway of course is open? Uh, I think, you know, in the evening time, a lot, you know, I mean, in the evenings, like, you can always tell that pre and post show rush that you get, you know, a line of people and you see them checking their watch, like I got to get to the theater and you know, it, it but um, yeah, it's that like after dinner, pre theater crowd. Um, I couldn't tell you a percentage wise, but I mean, like it's, it's like, I think with the neighborhood that we're in, we get blessed by so many different types of traffic where we have, um, I mean, we're a couple blocks from Times Square, so there's these huge high-rise buildings with so many business people in. And so during the daytime, we get all the business traffic and people buying cookies for their office. And then it, we live in a neighborhood as well, so we have like the neighborhood traffic. And then we're you know an area that has a bunch of restaurants, so there's like, we get the after-dinner crowd, and then we have the Broadway crowd. So it's like, it's hard to piece exactly like how much segment comes from, from what, but I mean, Broadway closing definitely hit us pretty hard. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Do you see yourself as a landmark of sorts in that neighborhood? Because I know every time I walk past that block, I'm like, there's Schmackeries, there's Schmackeries. I mean, it's right there and it's like a landmark. Um, I mean, I, I'm so flattered to hear you say that. I, I mean, like, I, I think I'm always trying to stay humble and um you know not get let my ego get ahead of me or whatever but i mean it's always surprising to me when i tell people i'm like oh i own a bakery and they're like oh what's the name of it and i say schmackeries to just random people and they're like you own schmackeries and, and they're like oh my god i'm like meeting a celebrity and i'm like 
me? I'm a nobody. I don't know. You know, and so <laughs> it's just, but yes, it definitely feels like a staple of this neighborhood. And, um, and I think that that was one of the reasons during the pandemic that I fought so hard um, to stay, to, to make sure that we made it through the pandemic, because I was like, we need to be here on the other side for people because like Schmackery's, I feel like is this home away from home, this like, this little piece of sweetness in the big bad apple that, you know, it doesn't feel like it belongs in New York and that's exactly why it belongs in New York. And so like, I feel like I really wanted to be here for people after the pandemic and show people that like, yeah, we made it through and we're here for you and we're always going to be here for you. It's amazing to know that you feel like it's a landmark because like, I, I would love nothing more. How does this ring to you? Schmackery's the musical. Your story on Broadway. I mean, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. You, you tell the producer, I'll even help be a ghostwriter. <laughs> I'm here for it. Final question for you. What's your best advice for novice cookie bakers, people who want to experiment in their own kitchens? Don't be afraid of your failures. Um, I think that, you know, for me, I, I have always loved pushing the envelopes when it, on, envelope when it comes to flavors. I've always wanted to um, elevate what, what is being done with cookies. And I think that we are now in the age of, of like foodies. And so it's like, take risks, do something that's different. Don't just try to copy what somebody else has already done because you can probably do it better. Zach, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, I appreciate you having me. Zachary Schmall is the owner of Schmackeries at 362 West 45th Street in Manhattan. Check them out online at schmackeries.com. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. My thanks to producer Maddie Bristow. I'm George Boldarki. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. Thanks so much for listening.